0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast, making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. So this is part three of our series, 2020 Vision. And uh, I'm going to have you turn to 2 Kings chapter 6 today. And the whole theme of this thing, the whole through this series is we want to see things as God sees them. And we want to say what God says about himself, about us, about our neighbors, about our enemies, Whatever it is, what God says about it, that's what we want to express in our lives. That's what we want to do in our lives. That's what we want to believe in our lives. Amen? Let us pray today over the word. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, that you are so good as we have sung today these songs. You're a good, good father to your children. We thank you for that today. We thank you that you're here among us today. You said in your word, wherever two or three gather together in your name, that you're there in the midst of them. And we do not doubt that one single bit. You're here with us today. Now, Lord, over this word, we pray that you will stir up faith within our hearts and cause us to be the kind of people that you desire for us to be. People who hear your word and obey it. People who know and understand the God of the universe, the God of all creation. Lord, Lord, We open our hearts to receive from you today the engrafted word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to drop down to the 8th verse and start reading there. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God... Elisha, sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for there the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice, in other words, often. Therefore, the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Amen. So we're just going to stop there for a minute and just mull over that uh, in our minds. The the king of Syria was plotting war against Israel and against the king of Israel. And so he set ambushments and traps in different places. And it seemed uh, that every time that he did that, Uh, someone would be tipped off and the the king of uh, Israel would be tipped off and they would dodge the ambush. So here he's setting up plans. He's saying, go over here and we're going to lay an ambush for them and then we're going to pounce on them and we're going to defeat them there. And by the time his men get to that place, Israel had been tipped off and so they moved down the road and they avoided the ambush. Then in verse 10, it said this happened not once or twice, meaning that it happened several times or it happened over and over. You could even say it probably happened constantly. Every time that he tried to do that, this is what would happen and his plans would be foiled over and over and over again. Amen. So the king of Syria thinks that Uh, There's a spy within his, uh, within his own uh, council, within his uh, military counselors, uh, who's leaking information. We hear that word a lot today, don't we? Leaking, this one leaked this and this one leaked that. So he's saying to his counselors, his military counselors, who among us is leaking out this information to the king of Israel? And he's warning, he's being warned of my plans. Who's, who's doing that? And then one of his servants, again, says, it's not us, king, it's not any of our people, nobody's leaking the information, it's that prophet. It's that guy, Elisha. And he could, could have said, or the implication could have been, it's that prophet, Elisha, whose God speaks to him. And who tells him things that we are discussing and that you are thinking and that you are speaking out of your mouth, even in your bedchamber or in your bedroom. And it's being revealed to him and he's revealing it to the king. He's telling his king everything that you're saying within your chambers. So the king says, go and find him. I want his head. That's basically what he... He wasn't saying, go and find him, I'd like to talk to this guy. Go and find him, because I want to lop off his head so that I can be successful in my military endeavors. Amen. And so they say that he's in Dothan. Going down now to verse 14. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? So as the king of Syria has sent his army they encircled this entire city of Dothan uh, with, with their sold you know, with soldiers and uh what an impressive show of force that must have been to, to look out and see all of those things. So, can you imagine uh, what that looked like? Brave, mighty, warlike men uh, sit in their shining chariots, wielding their spears and their swords, the reflection of the morning sun glistening off of their shields. And so, here comes this servant of Elisha, and he looks out and that's what he sees in the morning. And he begins shaking in his sandals. (laughs) Fear just grips his heart at what he's seeing. You know, a lot of times we see things and that's what happens to us. Fear just jumps all over us and grips our hearts. Amen. It's the first thing that happens when we see what we're being confronted with. And I don't think any of us would probably have acted any different than Elisha's servant when we looked out and saw that. Amen. And he says, oh, master, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I love verse 16. (laughs) And he answered, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Don't worry. Be happy. Be happy. <laughs> There's more with us than there are with them. Amen. And his servant must have thought in his mind, I'm just trying to imagine how he was thinking and what, he, what was going through his mind when Elisha said that to him. Don't worry. There are more with us than there are with them. Are you kidding you know he, 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 you know he probably didn't say it out loud but i'm imagining that he must have thought it are you kidding me and you and the people of this city there's more with us than there are with them what we're going to fight against them with picks and and shovels and rakes I think my master is losing his mind. He's lost his prophetic edge. He don't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's saying. Then verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Amen. So the servant uh, couldn't see what Elisha saw. he All he saw was what, what he saw with his natural eyes. There was a supernatural, spiritual army that was on the mountaintops around that other army. So the the Syrians were around the city, but on the mountains around them was God's army and God's heavenly host, who the servant of Elisha could not see. Elisha knew that they were there. He was a seer. That's what they called the prophets back then. They were seers. And he could see out into the future. He could see things that... Others could not see because God was speaking to them and and they were in tune and in touch with God. Amen. And so there was this supernatural, spiritual army all around them. Uh, They dwelt in a spiritual realm that could not be seen with the natural eye. You and I need to understand that we live in a spiritual realm and much of what's going on We cannot see. It's happening right now. There are evil forces at work in this world that are vying for your soul. Want to destroy your life, want to destroy your marriage, want to destroy your home, want to destroy our nation, want to destroy the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes... They may walk right into this place with you. Sit on your shoulder while I'm preaching the word and and whisper in your ear. That ain't so. Well, I don't believe that. Come on, church. And and there are spiritual forces at work. You know, if somebody gets up in your face and they're filled with hatred and anger and they look like they want to take your head right off, they're being motivated by evil forces. They're being motivated by demonic power. Amen. And we need to believe that. We need to know that. Because we're not fighting against that man. It might be a natural scuffle. There might be uh, some of that that would go on. But no one understand that that before he even approached you, someone was speaking into his ear. Amen. Not that he's not responsible for what he's doing. Because someone could cop a plea and say, well, the devil made me do it. But... uh, Rest assured, there's demonic activity right there going on. And if we fight it in the spiritual realm, if we know and realize that we've got power within the, uh, the presence of God and the spirit of God that lives within us, then we can, we can deal with it at the spiritual place. Amen. So uh, they, they dwelt in the spiritual realm that could not be seen with the natural eye. Yet this army that surrounded the Syrian army was more in number more in number more in power their weapons and chariots were not just reflecting the brightness of the sun their chariots were on fire <laughs> amen so elisha sees this and he goes hey don't you don't worry about it don't worry about it fear not Boy, just, if you just look up all the fear nots that you'll find in the word of God, Old Testament and New Testament. Fear not, fear not. When God comes on the scene, that's what he's saying. Either he or an angel will come and say, fear not, don't be afraid. And so he says to him, fear not. And then he asks the Lord, Lord, please open his eyes so that he can see what I'm seeing right now. Amen. And so he sees uh, chariots of fire around these uh, Syrian soldiers. There's a difference between our view of things and God's view of things. A difference between what you see in the natural and what God is seeing in the spiritual realm. Amen. Paul prayed for the Ephesians. We're going through Ephesians on Wednesday nights. And in that first chapter, Paul says a little prayer there that's kind of in line with what Elisha prayed here. Lord, open his eyes, amen? Uh, Paul says that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they might see the fullness of the hope we have in Christ. That was Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. And it's a prayer for us as well today. That God would uh, uh, give to us spiritual understanding and that our eyes would be opened and enlightened to the things that he would have us to see. If we just see the things that are in the natural, we're going to stumble and fumble and fall and make a mess of things. But if we'll trust in what God says in his word and begin to see things as he sees them, and it's not necessarily that we're going to see an army like Elisha's servant did. uh, We may never see that kind of a vision. But we need to know that that's what the word of God says is going on, and we believe that. Amen. You know, people say, uh, does everybody have a guardian angel? There's not a verse of scripture that says that each and every one of us have one guardian angel that follows us around all of our lifetime. But the Bible does say that angels, angels are all around us. And God dispatches angels for various reasons. Now, people would say, why does God do that? He's so powerful. Why doesn't he just do it himself? You know what? Ask him that one day. <laughs> you know, when you see him face to face, you can ask him that one day. But the, the fact of the matter is, and through the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see where God has dispatched angels to do a specific thing. Amen. To announce the birth of Christ. Amen? He sent angels to do that. Various things throughout the scripture talks about angels. Maybe we'll talk more about that as, as we go on in this series. But rest assured, there are angels all around you. Just as I said a moment ago that there's demonic powers that are at work in this world that we do not see. There are heavenly hosts, angelic beings, just the same. Amen. Amen. We know that Daniel prayed unto the Lord in 21 days it took for the answer to arrive. The answer was sent out immediately. Amen. But the hindrance was from evil forces. Amen. So we know that there are angels. And even, you know, people say, well, are we able to ask the Lord to send angels? Yes, we are. Lord, dispatch angels over there in that church. I've prayed that many a times. Lord, put your angels around that building when we're not there. Amen. Or put your angels around them as they're traveling out of town or whatever. People would say, well, the Holy Spirit is in them. Why do they need angels? Again, you can ask the Lord that when you get there one day. But we do know he has made angels ministering spirits for us. They're ministering spirits for us. So I'm not ashamed or afraid to call upon the Lord and say, Lord, send your angels. Amen. And I believe a lot of times there are testimonies of people that, that have either seen or witnessed angelic things happening or spiritual things happening that you would have to say, wow, it was an angel of the Lord. had to be an angel of the Lord. Amen. Accidents that have uh, been diverted because some things seem to stand in the way of that. Amen. I, re- I remember uh, a guy that used to come to this church. Uh, he owned a jewelry store in Northville. Dan Boatwright. He was talking about when he was in the Navy. He was being bullied by a couple of guys. Two or, two or three guys. And they always wanted to pick a fight with him. And Dan was a Christian. He didn't want to fight. didn't want anything to do with fighting. But they would harass him and pick on him and punch him and do stuff to him. And uh, so one day they approached him and uh, wanted to start a fight with him. And he said the Lord just spoke to him and said, grab, these are sailors, they're in the Navy. So they had those big bell-bottom pants, right? He said the Lord spoke to him and says, reach down and grab his bell-bottom pants. And so the guy goes to swing at him, and he goes to attack him. Dan reaches down, grabs some bell-bottom pants, and lifts it up, and the guy goes flopping on his back. He did it again, and Dan did it again, and it happened a couple times, and then they just left him alone. And then another time after that, they they came to uh, to harass him again. And as they approached him, he looked up and saw them coming, and then all of a sudden they turned and begin to run away from him. And so the next day or so, they said, who were those two guys with you the other day? He said, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> he didn't even know. But they saw two huge guys standing on either side of him. Who do you think they were? Yeah. Huh? Huh? The angels of the Lord. Amen. Protecting him. And so I believe that that kind of stuff goes on around us a lot of times, and we don't even know that. We're not aware of it ourselves. Dan wasn't aware of it, but those guys turned tail and ran for their lives. Amen. So the Lord. Uh, So Paul is saying, Lord, open their eyes. That should be our prayer for each other as well. For my own self. Lord, open my eyes. Give me spiritual understanding of the things of God, the things of your word, the, the promises that you have made to us as your children. Help me to see them clearly. Help me to understand them. Help me to move within them. Amen. To be able to see. To see who we are. It's very important. Brothers and sisters, that we see who we are as Christians. To see what we have, what God has given to us, what He has promised in His Word. This belongs to you as a believer in Christ. To see what we can accomplish, to see the heights that we are able to climb, that we do not see ourselves as weak. Let the weak say, I am strong. That's what his word says. Let the weak say, I am strong. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm strong because of the Lord. I'm strong because I have the Lord with me. Amen. Amen. To be able to see ourselves as victors and not victims. Amen. Amen. The head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. That we're blessed going in and we're blessed going out. That's what God says about his children. Amen. And I'm one of them. And so are you. And that's what we need to see. And that's what we need to experience in our lives. Sometimes people say, oh, that's that's too arrogant to, to talk like that. Well, it is true that we are warned and we are admonished in scriptures not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Amen. That's prideful. That would be prideful for you or I to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Amen. But we're not supposed to allow the enemy or our flesh to convince us that we are less than what God says we are. You hear what I'm saying today? The enemy would try to convince you that you're less than what you are. You don't have to be worried about becoming prideful when you're standing on the word of God and saying, I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am forgiven. People say, well, you just act like you're holier than thou. Well, uh, if you're not serving Christ, I am holier than you. Not because of any holiness on my part, but because of his holiness dwelling within me. He's called me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. That is who I am. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, we're, we're not being puffed up. We're not being prideful when we lay claim and lay hold of the word of God and what he says about us. Amen. We shouldn't think less of ourselves than what God says about us. That we can't have what God says is ours. We don't want to be convinced of that. That we can't have what God says belongs to us. That we can't do what God says we can do. Amen? And anything that comes in our way, that in our life that God puts before us to do, we can do it. Because the word says, I can do what? All things. All things. All things. Through Christ who gives me the strength to do it. Amen. We have to put the devil in his place. And there's another person we need to put in his place too, and that's the old flesh man. When he tries to convince us that we're not all of that, we need to convince him uh, uh, of God and who he is, and he is all of that more. Amen. Moses saw himself as ineffective, inarticulate, and weak in his ability to speak. But God saw him as his mouthpiece. Amen. Amen. When he called him to be a deliverer of his people. Moses saw himself as inadequate. That he couldn't do the job. He couldn't approach Pharaoh on behalf of the people. But God saw him as a a deliverer of the people of Israel. And they were delivered. Amen. God is not looking at what we're looking at. I can't speak. I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. I'm not smart enough. I can't do this job. That's the way we see ourselves. But that's not what God is seeing. As the old saying goes, God doesn't call those who are equipped. He equips those who he calls. Amen. So even if Moses could make that statement, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not this, I'm not that. He's basically saying, I'm not equipped. But once you are called, God equips you. If you'll answer the call, he will equip you. Amen. The 12 spies that were sent out to explore Canaan, the land that God had promised to Israel. Listen to that. The land that God had promised to Israel. They sent the spies out and 10 of them brought back an evil report, the Bible says. Only two brought a positive report back. Yeah, we can go in there and we can we can take care of this land and, we, and it's a fruitful place and it's going to just be good. But 10 of them brought back an evil report. Why was it an evil report? The Bible clearly says why it was. Because it was based on unbelief. That unbelief caused them to bring back an evil report. Based on what they saw in the natural. What they saw in the natural caused fear to grip their heart and they came back and they brought that fearful report of unbelief to Moses and to the children of Israel. They saw giants in the land that could not be defeated. Now the fact that they just saw giants was just a fact of life and uh, using their natural eyes. They looked and they saw giants. That wasn't a sin. That wasn't any unbelief. That was just natural what they saw. The unbelief was that they saw giants that could not be defeated. That was the unbelief. Seeing the giants wasn't bad. If you see a giant in your way, in your life, or some kind of insurmountable uh, kind of a, a mountain or something, unmovable, uh, how am I going to do? Oh, oh Lord, how are we going to do in this situation? If you see that with your natural eye, that's not a problem. We all would see those things. But to, but to say we can't get past this thing, we can't overcome this thing, that's where unbelief comes in. Amen. And so they saw giants that could not be defeated. That's what they saw with their eyes. They saw themselves as grasshoppers in their sight. We're just little bitty bugs. And they're going to take their size 15 sandals and just stomp us into the ground. That's what they saw. That's what they believed. That's the report that they brought back. They could not see themselves as overcomers, as partakers of what God had promised them. If God promises us something, and then we go into doubt and fear over that thing, we become double-minded men and women. And and, and we, we accuse God. We accuse God of not being who he is. And i not being able to do what he said he would do. If God gives you a promise, hold fast to the promise. He's more than able to do it. More than able to do it. Amen. And we need to stand fast and believe what God says. There's another guy we read of in the scripture who tried to cop a plea as well. Gideon in the time of the judges. He saw himself as a perpetual loser under the oppression of the Midianites. They would plant their crops and grow their crops and no sooner would harvest time come and they would harvest their fields, the Midianites would come in and swoop in and and steal their, their produce from them. They were being oppressed. And when God called him to lead the armies of Israel, he said to God, I come from a very small and insignificant clan. Among our people, guess what? God didn't ask him about his family tree. He's calling him. What was that? What was that old saying? He doesn't call the equip; he equips the call. And so, so Gideon's trying to say, I, I, "I'm just. I come from a small little clan among my people. And God wasn't asking him about his family tree." He said, well, we're poor. We're, we're really poor people. God didn't ask him about his financial status. Really? He didn't check in with him and say, hey, how's your finances? I'd like to use you. <laughs> God has taken some of the weakest elements of this world and, and have, has uh, catapulted them into places that they could not even imagine ever being. I was just talking to Brother Don uh, in the last couple of weeks about a guy named uh, Peter J. Daniels, one of the wealthiest guys in the world right now, a real estate tycoon, I guess, if you want to call it that or whatever, Uh, but just very, very wealthy guy who, when he was in school, was dyslexic. He couldn't read. He was illiterate. Nobody ever thought that he would ever amount to anything. But here he is in the status he's in today. Amen. Because God elevated him. And what God says about you is the truth. And there are a lot of things that maybe are in our future right now. We need to get in tune with the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm saying, you know, we want to hear his voice more clearly. Because God, I have no doubt about this. For my own life, doubts will come. But I'm saying, when I think this through, I have no doubt about this, that there's a future yet of my days that I do not even know what God's wanting to do that I can't even imagine how it's going to turn out. The same thing is of the truth of you. You don't know where you're going tomorrow, the next day. None of us do. We make our plans and that's good to do. It's smart and wise to make plans and to head in a direction and maybe you get a word from the Lord that says, move in this way. That's good. Follow follow the leading of the Lord. But where you're going to end up, man, you, you probably can't even imagine it. He didn't ask him about his family tree he didn't ask him about his financial status, but God said to him, you are a man of, valor. Yes, mighty man of valor. A mighty man of valor. Randy, can you imagine the Lord just calling you in the middle of the night and saying, Randy, you mighty man of valor. And you would say, You talking to me, (laughs) right? Come on, that—that's the way we would respond. Amen. Lord, you—you must be talking about somebody else, mighty man of valor. He didn't see himself as that as a mighty man of valor, but God knew what he was about to do in Gideon's life, and he called him a mighty man of valor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what you are. You're a mighty man of valor. You are a mighty woman of valor. You've got a future yet that you do not even know where God's going to take you, but you just need to trust in him. He's in control. Yeah. Amen. God wants you to see yourself as he sees you. Yes, he wow. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Because we don't always see ourselves like God sees us. We see ourselves like as, as Gideon or as Moses. We're inadequate. We can't do that. We can't. We're not smart enough. Or we're not big enough. We're not known enough. We're, we're not going to amount to this. We're not going to. No, 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 no. That's what you're seeing of yourself. God sees something totally different in your life. Man, testimony after testimony after testimony is out there of what God has done in people's lives. You're a testimony right now from where you were. Even from where you were to where you are right now, you're a testimony of God. Amen. Amen. I'm doing drugs and alcohol and, and dealing dope and all of that kind of crazy stuff, crazy living that I was doing. Living on the edge, as people would say. And now I'm standing in this pulpit preaching the word of God. I've been set free. And our whole whole motive in life is just to know God and to make him known. That's it. That's what you're here for. To know God and to make him known to others. I have come to know God as a forgiving, merciful Savior. I know him that way and now i want to make him known to others so that they can have forgiveness and mercy applied to their life as well that's our whole motivation in life to know god so we want to get closer to him we want to draw nearer to him to realize that you are a winner and not a loser that's what Gideon said. He, he thought he was a perpetual loser. This is what's going to happen to me for the rest of my life. These people are going to oppress us until the day that I die. I have no way out from underneath this. This is who I am. This is what, I'm, what I can expect. And God says, no, no, no. That's not what I say of you. So we need to realize that we are winners and not losers. That you are his child and he's watching over you. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, right? It's, it's like, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the things that Gideon said. Hey, if you're for us, then why are we in this mess? The children of Israel would say the same thing over and over to Moses. Hey, if God's delivered us, why, can't, why don't we have any food right now in the wilderness? We don't have any water to drink. And they would complain and murmur. But God was watching over them. We are people of faith. Let's say that together. We are people of faith. We are people of faith. Therefore, we walk by faith and not by what we see. Not by what we feel. I feel terrible today. That's okay. That's not who you are. Amen. I, I see gloom and doom all around me. That's okay. That's not what's real. Yes, amen. Hey, what's real? What's more real is what you can't see with your natural eye. It's more real than than the, the this chair that is right here. Amen. What's what's in the spiritual realm is more real than what we see in the physical natural world. We man, we got to get that. We got to get that down in our heart, down in our spirit. Man, just think, if you believed that, if you believed that to the utmost, what in this world could bring you down? <laughs> what in this world could get you gloomy and doomy? And <sighs> When I know who God is, when I know what God can do, what I know is in store for me, what I know his promises are to me. If God before you, who can be against you? Who can bring you down? Nobody or no thing in this world. And I'm saying if, if we could learn to live with that uh, awareness, that awareness, nothing would bring us down. I don't care who would attack you. I don't care what they would say about you. I don't care if it was your friends, your neighbors, your family. It wouldn't bring you down because you know who God is. Amen. Amen. We are in a battle, but our victory is not based upon what we see in the natural. There, there's a war going on around us all the time. We're not fighting in our natural strength. And if we do, we will be sure to lose. We can put the devil down. We can speak and say he's defeated. The Lord has done this and that. But I'm telling you right now, if in your own strength and ability and power, you tried to stand before such a, such a one as him, he would swallow you up in a heartbeat. No natural man is a match for the devil. Oh. But when Christ comes to live in you, (laughs) he's no match for the Savior. He's no match for our God. Amen. And so the battle rages, the war goes on, but our victory is not based upon what we see in the natural or what we're feeling. No, it's based upon what God says about us. We have supernatural strength at our disposal. Our victory is not based upon what we see. It is based upon who we be. (laughs) Amen. Who we be. Whose I am. We sang today. It's who he is. It's who he is. It's who he is. And I am who I am. Because of who he is. Amen. Amen. We're children of the living God. We're children of the living God. And all of you who are good parents, you want the best for your kids. All of you who are good parents, if if you had it in your power to mold their future and have it to be everything that you would want it to be, it would be nothing but good. Nothing but good. Goodness, prosperity for them, good success for them, that they would have wisdom, all of those things. You, a decent parent, would do that. And Jesus said, if you being evil, <laughs> amen. Yeah, really, we, we, we missed the mark just so terribly. But we who, who are evil uh, at our core without him, uh, we would still try to do good things for our kids. How much more? Hallelujah. How much more can we expect that our Heavenly Father would do good for his children? We just need to believe that. And when we believe that, we'll move in that. Amen. We'll be confident people. Amen. Positive people. Second Corinthians ten three through five. I've quoted this last week and I, I gave us a little challenge. I said, let's put a chair in the middle of the room and, and just have nothing else around you and just think nothing but godly thoughts. The word of God. And don't, don't bring your prayer requests even and just start rattling off what you want God to do. Just come and sit in his presence. Did any of you do that? Yeah, good. Did, did, did you find it a challenge? Yeah, but it actually still Yeah. But, I love it. But, but you find out that you can, you can put aside every thought that comes in there that you don't want there. You have the power to do that, right? right? And that's what we find out if we just put that thing to the test. But I quoted this passage. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, if something comes that's not in line with the scriptures for your life as a Christian, as one of his children, you get it out. You cast it down. Every imagination. You know, the Bible talks about evil surmisings. A lot of Christians deal with evil surmisings. That means thinking something that really isn't. (laughs) Amen. Thinking something about a brother or about a sister. (laughs) Brother Jim sent me a text. He says, Pastor Mike, I have something that I have to be at on Sunday, so I might not be able to stay till the end of the service. If I get up and leave, it's not because of anything you said. (laughs) Thank God. But I said to him this morning in the prayer room, I says, uh, you know, I said, there are a lot of people, you don't understand when you're a speaker up here and you see somebody do something like that, that immediately the enemy can send you a thought in your mind. What did I say? Oh, did I say something that offended him? Or whatever. Or what did she say? Or what is she thinking? I wonder what, I wonder what, I wonder why she said that. Evil surmisings. And we can allow that to just build in our mind. And the next thing you know, we've got an attitude at sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. Because we allowed that evil surmising to have root. And you cast it down. As soon as it comes. If you don't have any reason to believe that, it's just nothing but an imagination. That it's trying to exalt itself in your heart and in your mind against a brother or sister. Which violates the word of God because we are the body of Christ. We are to love each other. Love believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Amen? Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Casting down imaginations. Imaginations of giants that cannot be defeated. Imaginations of rivers. Oceans that cannot be crossed. When Israel came out of Egypt, they're running and Pharaoh is in hot pursuit, chasing them down with his chariots. And they come to the Red Sea and they're hemmed in. And here they are, they have no place to go. No place to go. They're about ready to just be completely annihilated. Amen? But God says, stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. And the the sea opened up, the Bible says, and they went across on dry land. I was thinking about that. Dry land. They had carts and and donkeys, stuff that they were pulling along because the Lord said, you take all of their silver and their gold and you take the spoil of Egypt with you when you go. Can you imagine those things trying to get across the muddy, slushy bottom of that ocean or of that sea? Sand. They went across on dry land. God pushed that. Not only did He push that water aside and give them a pathway to walk on, it was dry. It was like a parched desert sand, enough to, for them to just walk through it and get onto the other side. Amen. But their imagination, as soon as they got to that place, is, we're doomed. We've had it. That's what the mind says. We can't make it through here. We can't get beyond this. Imaginations of mountains that are immovable. Immovable. Mountains that cannot be removed. But Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move here over to there. And it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now that certainly didn't mean that Jesus told his followers to go around and start changing Uh, the the geography or the the land mass around us. Go Oh yeah, you can just go and say to this mountain, just go on over there. No, he's talking about obstacles in our way. Things that get in front of your face that you look at and you say, man, I I can't get beyond this. He said, no, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you'll be able to say, mountain, you get out of my way. Mountain, I'm boss, not you. Amen. Whatever obstacle is in your way, whatever situation you are facing, I'm talking to you right now, in your life right now, whatever obstacle is in your way, whatever situation you're facing, whatever difficulty it might be, physical, spiritual, financial, a strained relationship, God says that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Can you take that to the bank? That's what he says about you. Well, this relationship is never going to get fixed. Don't you believe that for one minute? That's an an imagination that's exalting itself against what God says in his word. Get rid of it. Pull it down. You're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Amen. Paul said, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. In Christ. Not sometimes. Always. He will always cause you to triumph in Christ. I don't feel very triumphant right now, Pastor Mike. Don't go by your feelings. We walk not by sight. We walk in faith. And faith says, God's in control, not me. God's in control, not this mountain. God's in control, not this sea. God's in control. Not those who are coming against me. God is in control. You say, well, it just doesn't look that way. Cast that down. Cast it down. You're believing God for your family? Keep on believing God for your family. Stand upon his word. Believe his word. Confess his word. Speak his word. You just lost your job? That's okay. God will get you another one. You're being attacked in your body physically. God says by his stripes, we are healed. Yeah. Stand on the promise. Well, you don't look very healed. That's okay. I don't, don't come bringing that stuff around me. I'm telling you what my God says. Yes. Amen.